wonderful time in the presence of God this morning. And it continues. <laughs> the Lord, you know, he inhabits the praises of his people, doesn't he? And I was thinking of the, um, I think it's Psalm 50. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. You've glorified God this morning. We've glorified God. Children, the ones who are left that can hear, you've glorified God this morning. And it actually goes on to say, and I will, he will order his conduct right. So as we glorify God, somehow, crooked places he'll make straight. He'll give us wisdom to know what to do in life. There's, do you know, nothing bad ever comes from glorifying God. Nothing bad comes from the presence of God. It's only ever good. It's only ever good. And um, I want to speak a message this morning. And I wanted to start by saying I'm not bringing this because we're kind of speeding up to Christmas now. Really not very long left, is, is it? Uh, but I want to speak about Emmanuel, God with us. And the reason uh, I want to bring it is because I believe we really need to hear it. We need to experience his presence and be with him, but also hear through the scriptures his heart to be with us and the truth of the fact that he is with his people, whether we feel it or not, whether our circumstances prove it or not, the more we believe it, the more we see the evidence of God with us. So I know there's been a lot of really quite immense challenge in the body and an opposition in various forms, and also quite a lot of sickness and tiredness, you know. And I believe the Lord just wants to speak into that and say, I'm here. I'm here. The great I am is here. The great I am is with us. And in Exodus 30, you, I'm sure, will know this story. The Lord sent Moses to Pharaoh, and he felt very incapable of the task that the Lord had set before him. And he, he basically said, I can't do it. You know, who am I that I should do this? Who am I? He was looking at himself. Who am I that I should step up, up to this incredible position and calling? And the Lord simply kind of ignored the question in a way. And he simply said to Moses, I am with you. And whatever it is you're called to do in life and the challenges you face, you just need to know, I am with you. And of course, later on, he goes to say, my presence goes with you and I will give you rest. But then Moses said, okay then, but what will I say to your people when they say, who is this God? You know, who is this God that's, that's telling you to lead us? And, and the Lord said to Moses, simply say, I am has sent you. His name for himself is I am. That's how he likes to be known. You might like to, you know, maybe you've got a nickname. Maybe you shorten your name. I like to be known as this. Well, he likes to be known as I am. Because he's not just I was. And he's not just I will be. He is I am. He wants us to know he's a very present God. Psalm 46 says he's our refuge and strength. He's your refuge and strength, a very present help 
in time of need, whatever that need is, a very present help in time of need. So I'm going to speak on God with us this morning. And it's a theme that runs from beginning to end of this book, right the way through. It's not just a new thought when Jesus came, right the way from the beginning, right the way back in the garden, actually, before the fall. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. We can't even, I don't believe any one of us can really comprehend the joy, the peace, the comfort of living in the presence of God. God walked with them. And when they sinned, it says God walked in the cool of the day looking for Adam. Where are you? He fully knew where he was and what he'd done. But the call went out, where are you? He walked. Sin came in, shame and fear came in, and they turned their backs on God. And as a result, lived a very painful existence without him. But right there and then, back in the beginning, God was with them because he wanted to be with them right? The desire that he has for relationship with his created beings is immense. He's passionate about people. He loves us. And he hadn't changed his mind and he hadn't changed his heart. He so wanted to be not just God in heaven, but God on earth with his people. So the second time we hear about God with us, actually is the tent with Moses. And in Exodus 25, verse 8, we have it as a slide. God spoke to Moses and he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. I love that. I want a place. And I want people to know where I am. A tent somewhere. One day, way back in history, there was a tent somewhere in the Middle East. God was in that tent, presence of God. So let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And you can read later on in Exodus 40 that when they had finished making that tent, that the cloud of the presence of God descended on this tent of meeting. And it says the glory of the Lord filled it. God came down. That cloud was the visible presence of God. And the cloud descended. And the tent was filled with the glory of God. It was a cloud by day and fire by night. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It would have been spectacular. You know, a lot of people travel and save money to go and see Aurora Borealis, you know, the Northern Nights. My gosh, that has nothing on what the fire by night would have been. And it was a moving thing. Because when the cloud or the fire descended and remained, the people would camp. But when it lifted and started to move, they broke camp and they moved with it because they were on a journey with God. They knew God was with them. God's on the move. Let's go. We are his people now. God is with us. But, so we've gone from the garden to the tent. I'm just taking you in a expressway through the scriptures this morning really quick but from the garden to the tent to the temple king david really had it on his heart to build a permanent dwelling place for god so they had the tent but 
King David had his own permanent house, and it actually said that the Lord gave him rest from all his enemies. And he so had it in his heart, hang on, here I am in this permanent house, but the presence of God and the ark of God, it actually says in 2 Samuel, still dwells within curtains. Like my home is better than God's home, I gotta build him something great. He so had it in his heart to build God an amazing place to dwell in. And the Lord said to David, you do well to have it in your heart, but you won't do it. You've been a man of war, but your son, Solomon, he will build me this glorious dwelling place on earth. And that's what happened. Solomon built it, and when Solomon finished, and they carried the ark of God in and put it in the most holy place in the temple, again, the cloud of his presence descended. And the glory of the Lord was so strong, the priests couldn't even minister. And we're going to pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 5. Come on. We're going somewhere. I'm building this to get us to a place of, wow, revelation. Uh, so come with me on the journey. And anyway, this is the temple. It came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place. For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all of those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, and their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Now just think about that. One trumpet, one, is a loud thing. 120, right? We go on. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud." so that the priests could not continue ministering. I think they just would have been, puff, you know, because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. God wanted to be with his people. The cloud descended again. We went from the garden to the tent to the permanent dwelling place, the temple. But, you know, still the best was to come. And the miracle of all miracles the mind-blowing thing that the Jews couldn't accept, still can't accept, is that God became man. God became man. God wanted to reveal himself as a person. There's nothing like a person, is there? You know, he wanted to reveal himself as a flesh and blood person. He wanted to show what kindness was like. He wanted to show what mercy was like. He wanted to heal, to deliver, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the lame, to open the ears of the deaf. God was with Jesus. It says in Acts 10, 38, doesn't it? He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When Jesus walked into a house, the presence of God came into a house. Wherever he went, he took the presence of God, for God was with him. 
I'm repeating this because it's really good to get it. We've gone from a garden with Adam and Eve to the tent with Moses and the Israelites to King David and the temple. Solomon built it. God came down again. <sighs> but it wasn't enough. For God so loved this world, he sent his only son, Jesus, <laughs> to be God with us. And actually it says in John 14... 16 to 17. We're going to read it. Jesus, he'd been with his disciples, with his disciples for three years. And he said to them, I'm going, he said to them, I'm going now. I'm going to prepare a place for you. We can't imagine the devastation they'd have felt at that point. All their hopes were pinned on this man, Jesus. He was their helper. They'd never known help and comfort like it. And he said to them, I'm going. I have to go. Where I go now, you cannot come. But then he said to them, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him, they want to see everything first, neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Just say, with me and in me with me and in me. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God is with you. God with us. He's come to you and he wants us to be so confident, but also so conscious. You know, when, when our life's just so, uh, so natural, it just is. There's work to be done. There's jobs to do. There's Houses to clean, there's children to raise, there's meals to cook, there's shopping to do, and it's an endless, endless list, and you can be so focused down on here that you can forget. God's with me. Yes. Right here and now, God's with me. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? God's with me. God's with you. And Jesus also said, in this world you will have trouble. John 16, 33. But take heart. I've overcome the world. In other words, cheer up. I'm here. <laughs> cheer up. I'm with you. We're going to read it. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he's not just with us, he's in us. And he's not just in us, but we're in him. In the world we have trouble, but in him we can have peace. Supernatural. It's unreasonable. Some of the stuff that some of us are going through, it's unreasonable to have peace. It's not natural. But we know the Prince of Peace. And we're in him and he's in us. When PJ and I were on the plane going to Italy, uh, she just, she turns, turned to me and she said, we're being upheld. You know, like you're in that capsule of the plane and you can't see the thermals that are lifting the plane. It's like the invisible hand of God. He holds us. He, up, he upholds us. And we're going to read an amazing scripture in Isaiah 41. Just receive this as God speaking it to you personally this morning. As if Jesus was standing here in his human body speaking it to you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. 
That means alarm mixed with depression or sadness. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He loves us. He absolutely loves his people. He's with us, but he wants us to know it and believe it. No wavering in doubt. Because when we believe it, it changes things. When we believe God's with us, it changes everything. Changes everything. Psalm 27, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Next verses, we're going to chapter, uh, verse 3. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, and it does, in this I will be confident. What are you confident in? God's with me. God's with me. And... Um, It doesn't matter the size of the problem. It really doesn't matter the size of the problem because we have an almighty God and we need to consider who it is that's with us. I have this book and it's a very old book. It's called An Enemy Called Average. And there's sort of, it's years really since I've read it, but as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of it. And they're kind of nuggets of truth really for each day. And nugget 38 says, stop every day and look at the size of God. I think that's a really good bit of advice. Stop every day. I'm just going to read it. Stop every day and look at the size of God. So it says, who is God? What is his personality like? What are his character traits? According to the Bible, he is everlasting, just, caring, holy, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and sovereign. He is light, perfection, abundance, salvation, wisdom, and love. He's the creator, savior, deliverer, redeemer, provider, healer, advocate, and friend. Never forget who lives on the inside of you. The Lord, the great God, the great King above all gods. John, the beloved disciple, tells us, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God and the devil are not equal, just opposite. He goes on to say, I travel by air quite often, and one of the benefits is that every time I fly, I get a glimpse of God's perspective. I like looking at my challenges from 37,000 feet in the air. No problem is too large for God's intervention. No person too small for God's attention. Our confession to the Lord should be. Jeremiah 32, 17. O Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you There is nothing too hard. In fact, let's say that out loud together. There is nothing too hard for you. That's the truth. You know, we need to pray it. We need to speak it to ourselves. When the enemy speaks, we need to speak it to him. Nothing's too hard for my God. This is not too hard. 
for my King Jesus. Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, like you've got Jesus, but then there's more, addition, freely give us all things. Freely give us all things. We did a transfer to Amsterdam. I think it was on the return home. And um, one of the air stewardesses, just as we were getting off the plane, just as a nice greeting, she said goodbye. And then she went, good things. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. It was so nice, you know? No power to it, but it was a nice thing to say, wasn't it? I said, oh, well, and to you. And I said to PJ, there you go, good things, good things. For them, it's wishful thinking, a hoping and a wish, you know, without the Lord. But with the Lord, with God, every good thing comes from our Father of lights. We can have hope and even faith. Good things, good things in our future. Every good thing is from him, and he loves to give. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Because he's good. It's just his nature. He loves to give good things. He, he's for us. He loves us. And we really, we so need that revelation of the love of God, concrete on the inside. as such a deep-rooted conviction of our hearts. He loves me because it casts out fear, you see. The love of God removes fear. It says in Romans 8, 35 to 37, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. That's a horrible list. Doesn't get much worse than that. For as it's written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's bad. Yet in all these things, basically he wants to make it as bad as it can possibly be. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us? He loves us. He loves us and he loved us. So we're not more than conquerors on our own. But my gosh, we're not on our own, are we? God's with us. Yes. We're more than conquerors through him. Not just in your spirit. In your spirit, you're one spirit with the Lord. If you're born again, you're one spirit with the Lord. But he wants to be God with your mind. God with your emotions. God with your desires, your will. There's a brilliant psalm, 121. It talks about the Lord being your keeper. And it says, um, he will preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. And we need our souls preserving, don't we? Because the enemy's wicked to the core. He will bombard your thoughts and then your emotions start with, with doom and gloom and terribleness. To preserve means to keep from damage. And the Lord wants our souls to be kept, preserved from damage. And the way he does it is by his spirit through the word. By the spirit through the word. I love that. It's one of the lines in here is love vast as the ocean. By your spirit through the word. It's the way he always works. By the spirit through the word planted in our hearts. And then if it's in your heart, it keeps coming to your mind. So it doesn't matter how many times the enemy speaks. 
his negativity. We don't have to fear the enemy's words, but we can win it with the word. And we must win it with the word, you know, because we can't ignore, you can't ignore the enemy's words because if they get into you, they will do damage. You know, if they land and they start getting rooted, they do damage. So as many times as he speaks, no, 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 you hold up the word. That's how we win it. So we need to root out anything. And I mean, it can be trivial stuff or it can be big stuff that he tries to, to cause fear, to cause fear and doubt and damage your soul with. So we must root them out and plant the word. I know you know this stuff, but I'm just going to do uh, a bit of a recap. On Tuesday night um, at Fonte de Vita, Fountain of Life uh, Church in Italy, PJ she just spoke about how to have time with the Lord. And I thought, that's just so brilliant. I'm going to nick that for Sunday. So I'm just going to run through um, some bullet points, really. They're quite practical tips, but they're so helpful. And the first one is find a comfy chair. <laughs> Sit in a comfortable chair. Not so comfortable that you fall asleep, you know, but comfortable enough just to relax. And actually, just deliberately you've got to let your muscles relax just okay I'm with God he's with me this is not a time just to sit and think about your problems it's really important I can catch myself doing that I can sit in a comfortable chair and say oh praise God I have time with the Lord then my mind starts off on a journey normally it will land on the problems and I can just sit and think for five minutes before I've even realized I'm doing it it's like come on God's here. Hebrews 11, believe he exists. Those who come to him believe he exists. God's here. You're not one person in a room. You're two people in the room. I actually sit on a sofa, so I'm like, he's right there beside me. He's in me, but he's here as well. So I chat to him like a friend. That's how we need to talk with him. Hand over any concerns. If you need to forgive, do it quick because that will stop your prayer. If you've got issues of unforgiveness, if you yourself need to ask forgiveness, get, it, get all that stuff dealt with quick so that your time with the Lord, you, you can really receive. Then you take the promise, whatever promise you have that speaks to your situation, and you need to slowly repeat it to yourself several times. You know, to get a promise planted, it doesn't happen once. It doesn't happen just by reading it once and saying, oh, thanks, Lord, off I go. You've got to slowly repeat it. And sometimes I'll take part of a verse, you know, um, you know that Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I am your God. And just repeat it. Repeat it until faith comes. You know, and... As you're repeating it, you, you need to hear God speaking it to your spirit. It's like the earth taking in the rain. You got it, you got to, it's kind of a slow process really. But you, you just, with your own voice, hear God's voice speaking to you. And often it's not dramatic, you know, mostly it's not dramatic. And you need to keep going with the same promise for a week or more. I mean, some promises I've been going with for months. But you just need to keep going until it becomes part of you. You know, because if it becomes part of you, if it's really in your heart, 
it's yours. You know, if you've got faith, if you have faith for it on the inside, you'll see evidence of it outside. But it takes time. And so often we give up too quick. It's not worked. It doesn't work for me. Well, yeah, it will if you do that. <laughs> We're designed to receive like that. So Proverbs 4, I'm nearly finished. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son or my child, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. This is, it's, it really is the most important thing in your life. We live by this. And we diminish without. So give attention to my, uh, to my words. Don't let them depart. Sorry, I'm speeding ahead. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You get better by meditating on the word. Our physical flesh receives health by meditating on the word. And there's a good promise to meet every need. You know, this book, it's, 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 there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. And in him, all the promises are yes and amen, so be it. For your health, for your relationships, for your children, your money, anything and everything, anything and everything, there's a promise. And is anything too hard for our God? You know, whatever the enemy's plan for evil, is our God not able to turn it for good? And there are schemes, you know, fiery darts, fire, there are strategies of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy because it's who he is. But I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and life in all its fullness. We can have supernatural peace in the process. You know, as we go through, it's amazing how if we get with God, God is with us, but we need to know he's with us. But if we do, we can have this unreasonable peace in difficult times, challenging times, because God is with us. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.